Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Jim Donovan here. It's, I don't even know what time it is. I needed to get this recorded before I passed out. It's been a long night. A Father Smith came into my office today. I asked if that was his real name, and he said, for now, yes. He explained that for the last week, the Vatican had been picking up some demonic activity focused around the Kabbalah Center in West Hollywood. Every day, it had been increasing, and feeling more and more tangible. The Vatican was worried that a summoning ritual was taking place, and that soon, a truly vile creature would cross over to the mortal plane. Of course, I asked why the Vatican wasn't sending their teams to take care of this. After all, the Swiss Guard have agents better trained, prepared, and paid than any paranormal Pinkerton agent, so why couldn't they just handle it? The answer was smartly given, as if he'd expected it. The Catholic Church still gets some bad press as far as the Jewish community is concerned, so they wanted to hire an outside contractor to investigate. I got a promise from the Father that if I couldn't handle it, the Vatican would send in a strike force just in case. I hate Kabbalah. It combines the weirdest part of Judaism with magic. If there was some sort of demonic activity, I'm not surprised. Magic and demons go hand in hand, honestly, and it's something I'm really careful about. Though, as evidenced by the time I let a dragon's ghost possess me, I'm obviously not careful enough. I did my research with what Father Smith provided. Since there was a daily precedent for midnight activity, I figured it'd be a safe bet that something would be amiss tonight, too. The father visited me in the afternoon, so I didn't have much time to prepare. Frustratingly enough, there wasn't much to prepare. I knew it was demonic, so I wouldn't need the iron ring I used when dealing with the Fey. After the incident in Seattle, I was still a bit traumatized with the Verimvisio, so I didn't want to bring along the Soul Stone. But I had to, it was necessary. I didn't know for sure what I was going up against beyond demonic, so I reluctantly slipped it into my cargo shorts. I don't understand why more agents don't wear shorts. It provides greater flexibility when you might have to be sprinting, and cargo shorts just have so many pockets. It's the perfect bottom wear. Weapon-wise, I had a new trick up my sleeve. Jack had given me the number for his girl Mercy, and a few weeks ago, I sent her some ideas and design schematics I had for a holy water shotgun shell. Basically, you can cram anything into a shotgun shell. So I figured it'd be neat to fill a water balloon or what have you with holy water, stuff it in a shotgun shell, and use it against the spiritual forces of Otraterre. She was ecstatic with the idea, and I think she really improved on my initial design, which is good because I am not a handy person. Finally, I took the gun that I used to deal with mortal threats. It wouldn't be of any use against a demon, but, well, if it was being summoned, it was possible that it would have mortal attendants that would need to be dealt with. I put the gun in my back holster just in case, and waited a few hours for midnight to draw near, and drove off to West Hollywood. The Kabbalah Center in West Hollywood isn't really in that nice of a neighborhood. I mean, it's not dangerous, but it's just kind of bleh. You drive through it and you don't think, oh, I'm going to get stabbed here, or anything like that, but everything here just feels gray, beige, nondescript, kind of like most of Eastern Europe. This is unusual because most of West Hollywood feels extravagant. West Hollywood is very much a place for the more flamboyant citizens of LA, but also for the Orthodox Jews. It's an odd mix. Driving through, you're as likely to see drag queens as you are men walking around in the hats with the Hasidic curls 
and the black coats that go down to their knees. In Hollywood. In the summer. I don't know how they don't all pass out from heat exhaustion. I start sweating if I even wear jeans. The Kabbalah Center is a rather unimaginatively named building that looks like a Spanish Catholic mission. It has whitewashed walls, clay tile roof, and a bell tower steeple. Good camouflage, I suppose. Anyway, I got there at night. Pitch black, or at least as close as Hollywood could get to it. It looked like even the outdoor spotlights around the center were muted, dimmer. I noticed the windows on the east side had a faint glow. Someone was indeed inside. I parked on a back street and walked up to a shadowy side door. I had my shotgun and a gym bag slung over my shoulder so as not to give me away. The rest of my gear was hidden on my person. I reached out to touch the handle of the door and... Control, it's hard to describe what I felt. It was like my spirit felt slimy. Like I had been working out for two hours in a humid environment and had just put a wet hot towel over my face. I felt oppressively exhausted and deeply tired. My muscles ached. Touching the door handle, I sent up a quick prayer for protection. I pushed past my uneasiness and jiggled the door handle. Locked. I have been learning how to pick locks online, and it's been interesting. I'm not proficient yet by any means, but I can at least master the basics. Even with my limited experience, I can tell you that locks are only in place to prevent honest people from accidentally breaking the law. It's not like they actually stop a criminal, or a private eye, who has to mete out a holy beatdown. I successfully jimmied the lock open and slipped inside. I shut the door behind me. From the instant I stepped in, that humid feeling I had experienced by touching the door handle multiplied threefold. I immediately started sweating. My hair fell limp and wet, sticking to my skull. The electric lights were out, but I could see from the front door of the building, leading off into some distant room. Little tea candles lighting a sort of path. I appreciated that someone had lit the way for me. I really didn't want to have to try to use the soul stone to see again. All around me, the susurrus of traffic outside sounded like whispering voices. Thousands of them. Malicious voices. With each step I took, the shadows morphed into tiny humanoid shapes that danced around beside me as I walked. Imps. One of the weakest in the order of demons that fell from heaven. Every once in a while, one of these shades would get bold enough to try to lash out at me. But it didn't faze me. I didn't even feel it much less feel bothered by their attempt to frighten or intimidate me. Maybe if I had been unfamiliar with the forces of Otraterre, seeing dozens of toddler-sized black shadows swarming over each other to reach out and touch me with their ethereal hands might have caused a heart attack. But from where I am now, with what I've seen, it was more annoying than anything else. I didn't feel bothered enough to rebuke them, though. Technically, they had probably been invited here by whomever was trying to summon the demon. So... While I had authority to yeet them back to the pit, I didn't want to put in the effort, unless they actually started to get more annoying or threatening. Until Judgment Day, they've got squatters' rights, after all. Still, it was hot in here. It had to be 100 degrees Fahrenheit with easily triple digit humidity level. I was a little worried that I would drown before I reached my destination. I cautiously followed the tea candle path. I decided to take my shotgun out of the bag I had carried it in and held it in a low, ready stance. When Jack had sent me the 1911 that was in my back holster, he included some practical safety tips, like not having my finger on the trigger until I was ready to shoot something, 
For everything else, I just watched a few videos and practiced sweeping rooms in my apartment. With a gun, unloaded, of course. It was a little tricky applying the same lessons to a shotgun, since I wasn't as familiar with it, but I made do. Approach a door, slowly begin to slice the pie. Rinse, lather, repeat, over and over again. I didn't see any hostile forces, beyond the imps, of course, constantly following me. The whispering I had heard transitioned to some sort of jeering laughter, gibbering and taunting. The little creatures were among the lowest-ranked vermin of hell, and so they are not given much authority in the physical realm, and exist to be subservient to higher-grade tempters and tormentors. I walked along shadowy corridors, taking care to move slowly and quietly, worried that I might be too late to stop whatever infernal happenings were going on. As I moved, the whispery laughter of the imps I was hearing blended with chanting from a room further in. It sounded like Hebrew. I'm not fluent, but it's got a pretty guttural sound to it. The candles descended a set of staircases, and so did I. Gun out, sweeping the corridors, still no clue what was going on. When I descended to this basement level, the imps, chittering, scattered, and I noticed several larger shadow figures standing ominously about. Much like the demon in Spokane, their eyes were bright red, but these demons had not gone insane. They were not looking to rip out my spine. Instead, they were watching. In fact, that is their name in the demonic hierarchy. Watchers. They observe humanity, report back to the fortress of Pandemonium, the seat of satanic power on all that we are doing, and then they wait. For what, I don't know. While these demons were all well past seven feet tall, one stood so high, his head brushed the ceiling. He looked down at me as I walked on. I could tell he recognized me. He knew me. I don't know how or why, it was just a feeling. He knew me, and he was letting me proceed. I'm not sure how I should feel about this. It's not, uh, It's not often one realizes that hell knows you on sight. I ignored it and walked on. The chanting grew louder and louder, until it eventually grew to a fevered pitch. I heard the sound of wailing wind, even if I didn't feel anything. I noticed the watchers stopped paying attention to me, as all their heads turned toward the sound. Red eyes staring like laser beams in the direction I knew I had to go. Something so momentous was happening, that these princes the force of darkness would give it note rather than me. I picked up my pace. I stopped scanning side rooms and focused solely on the room in front of me. A doorframe was outlined in deep red. Redder light than mere candles eked out from beneath the shut door. I reached out and slowly, quietly, opened the door. As I did, the chanting had risen to the point where voices were shouting and screaming the words in unison. And then one loud, piercing, animal-like wail sounded through the corridor. The demons that had been standing all along the corridor were suddenly at my back. I could feel their presence there. All of them waited with anticipation. By my ear, I heard one whisper in a soft, sing-song voice. Go in, let us see. You want to go play, don't you, Jim? I shuddered and opened the door. They were hostile, but this type can only be on Earth if they follow the rules. I had nothing to fear from these demons even if they were horrifying to behold. Even still, 
They were nothing compared to what waited for me on the other side of the door. Candles of all sizes, colors, shapes, adorned every surface of the room. The only part of the floor that wasn't fully lit was a path from the door to a circle in the center, where four boys were standing arms akimbo, head thrown back around a bowl. Check that. Four boys and one corpse. He must have been the voice that screamed in pain as I waited by the door, because his eyes were rolled back into his skull, as his face was frozen in a look of utter terror. The other boys were probably 12 or 13, and were either very overweight or super skinny. Faces pockmarked with acne. Each kid wore a stereotypical black hooded robe. They probably got a discount at Hot Topic. The bowl they surrounded was set in a series of complicated, concentric sigils. I'm not sure I could duplicate them, but the physical drop for this case file includes the sketches of what I can remember. The boys were standing inside a pentagram. At the juncture where each point of the star touched the circle, the boy closest to the door was the one who had died. I could tell that the boys had no control, because their eyes darted wildly about, while their mouths kept chanting, and then stopped. All four boys fell back, as though they were playing tug-of-war, and the other person just let go. In the bowl, there erupted a type of dark explosion. Usually an explosion is a flash of light, but this was more like a flash of utter blackness. An implosion that tore a hole in the universe, centered on the bowl. Through the hole slinked the most beautiful creature I'd ever seen, and I once met Megan Fox. She had to be six foot five if she was an inch. Her height was highlighted even more by the stiletto heels she wore. Utter black they were, absorbing the light of the candles. Her legs were barely covered by a thin red... gown, I suppose? Negligee? I'm not well versed in female clothing, but it was sheer, and seemed to swirl slowly about her. It would shift from utterly modest to offensively scandalous, all in the span of seconds. If anything, it looked like she was clothed by a tongue of flame, because the red of the gown shifted and changed along the spectrum into deeper reds, oranges, yellows, and whites. But I could feel no heat come from her. If anything, for the first time since I'd walked into the Kabbalah Center, I felt cold. Her perfectly flawless skin had a slight emerald green tint to it, complemented by her dress. Proportionally, she hit the golden ratio. Perfect hips, bust, waist, the whole nine yards. I immediately felt a kinship with Captain Kirk and those green aliens he dallied with. I understood. I got it. On the top of her head curled two small horns, like ram's horns. Her hands were delicate little things, which is odd to say for how tall she was. But as she emerged, shaking her head like a model coming out of a swimming pool, all four of the surviving boys focused on her when she appeared. From behind me, in the corridor, I heard the hissing of the other demons. I couldn't tell if it was in fear, loathing, or anticipation. But I could hear cries of dismay from the main floor as hundreds of imps seemed to be terrified of this creature that stood before me. Even from a distance, they knew she had arrived. She looked at nothing else but the boy who had died. She made a come-hither gesture with her hands, and a thin stream of mist rose from his body and began to trail towards her. I didn't like the sight of that, so, still holding my shotgun, I stepped through the door, aimed down the barrel, and began unloading shells into her. The very first round disrupted her concentration on the mist coming from the boy, his soul, I assumed, 
She was startled, as were the boys in the circle. They began shrinking away from the blast, while she stood, unable to move, as shell after shell, all of which were filled with holy water balloons, assailed her. And she just stood there, staring at me. You've seen pretty girls sneer, Control. I'm sure you have. It's all the uglier for the look of disgust on the face of one so lovely. Imagine a look of pure hatred and malice on the most beautiful creature ever made. Each shot did nothing but splash over her very, uh, <clears throat> corporeal body. She may have been a spirit, but she definitely manifested physically here. I was pretty disappointed. I'd expected holy water to work. I had fired three shells at her, so I still had a few left. I spun around and pumped a shell into each of the lesser demons that had been guarding the doorway. They scattered, fleeing with deep guttural curses, laced with hatred and pain. I turned back and noticed the mist was no longer flowing towards the demonic succubus, for that surely was what she was, but was flowing into the soul stone in my pocket. I dropped the shotgun and grabbed the soul stone, holding it up between her and me trying to will the spirit back into the boy's body. But no joy. For whatever reason, the soul stone had trapped this teenage child's soul, and I had no say in the matter. I lowered the soul stone and looked at the demoness. She spoke in a slow, soft, seductive manner. That was meant to be my appearance fee, James Donovan. Give it back. There are some standard formulae for dealing with sane demons. There are interviews with exorcists that you can search out, and you can learn the words they use. I slipped the soul stone back in my pocket, collected myself, and said loudly, In the name of Jesus Christ, Son of the Most High, tell me your name, fiend. She hissed a bit at the name of Jesus, but other than that, she began laughing. Not a good way to start this exchange. James, you have no authority over me. You don't pray, you don't fast. You think your paltry faith commands me? She laughed. No matter. I am Lilith, the first of my kind, and my own mother. It is so nice to finally meet you. I don't know what she meant by my own mother. Demons are an odd temporal anomaly, to say the least. However, she was on something when she called out my lack of piety. It's... Look, I don't want to talk about it. Still, I should have known. You can't confront demons if you haven't been immersing yourself daily in devotion to the Lord. I always have better things to do. Still, there's a job to be done. Why are you here? I asked. Why? These boys have just finished their bar mitzvah. Oh, I'm sorry. These men have just finished their bar mitzvah, and they really wanted to make men out of themselves. So, they have been trying to get my attention so that I could, well, ply my trade. The teenagers shrinked away from the creature that killed their friend. I suppose they didn't read the fine print, that I always take a soul when I make an appearance. Such a pity. Now, Jim, you don't mind if I call you Jim, do you? If you could be so kind as to scuff the circle binding me, I'd appreciate it. It seems they were very careful. It seems they were very careful about reading that part of Kabbalic texts. No? No, I don't think I will. 
Come here, boys. This experiment with Satanism is over. The teenagers got to their feet and rushed over to me. The seductress laughed. Oh, Jim, what do I need to promise? More power? Maybe a night with me? I know you've been lonely. No. What you want is information on your brother. Don't you? She laughed the laugh that only beautiful women can. Well, you'll be pleased to know that sometimes he goes hours without screaming. It's almost as if the torturers take pity on him. I knew then that she didn't know everything. That even though she was trying to hurt me, she was only aware of half of the story. In short, the bitch was lying. I smiled at her. I drew my 1911 and said, The power of Browning compels you. I sighted in on the bowl the boys had been using. I'd done my research. It still bound her to this plane. And I unloaded my magazine into it. The succubus let out one infinitesimally quick gasp before she was sucked back into the void that had summoned her. I expect I'll see her again someday, Control. I'm not looking forward to it. With the demoness gone, the humidity vanished. The oppressive atmosphere lifted. I called the number Father Smith had given me and explained the situation to him. Some battle friars, who had apparently been waiting at St. Mary's if I wasn't able to handle the situation, descended on the center. They told me the boys would be taken care of, as would the body of the dead one. I did not tell them that the Soul Stone had, acting of its own volition, captured one of the boys. Our allies don't need to know everything, after all. Plus, the HK MP7s that the Swiss Guard carried are scary. I'm going to have to research this control. I don't like how the Soul Stone acted separate of my own volition, and I need to find out if there will be any kind of <sighs> eternal consequences for the kid whose soul is now trapped. I'm going to... I don't know. There's so much here. I, I wish you'd actually respond to one of these, Control, and tell me what I'm supposed to be doing, or send me some backup. Maybe Sean and Jack are right. Until next time, this is Jim Donovan, out.